All right, welcome along to the Artie Soccer World Cup podcast. Raf Giallo here, and I'm joined tonight by Niall McCoy of Artie Sport Online and also former Republic of Ireland international Keith Tracy. We're going to be looking back at the three earlier games from Group G and H, and then also we're going to look ahead to tomorrow's fixtures, the Friday fixtures involving the second round of matches for the teams in Group A and Group B. But uh, also there's a bit of a watch along here as well, because as we're recording, Brazil and Serbia are currently drawing nil-nil into the second half. Uh, Niall, it says 58 minutes on the clock here, so if we're going to factor in stoppage time, probably should run the full hour. Yeah, yeah, that's going to time you. have timed that beautifully, Raf. to be fair to you. That's, it's almost if you planned that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, although I was uh, I was kind of shocked at the end of the first half there to see it was only like plus one given, like yeah. one, one minute of added time, because uh, it seems to be like five minutes for the first half and then they throw on like 10, 15 for the second. But uh, uh- he... Keith, just thought, yeah, sorry, go on. Now. I was just going to say, what do you think of that uh, new one, that new additional time sort of directive? Like, it, I, I, I sort of like it. I sort of like it. Like, I think we're getting an extra ten percent free. Uh, although some of these matches here uh, probably better off without, but I sort of like it. I think it should cut out a bit of a bit of play acting. You'd hope anyway. Yeah, Keith, what do you think? Is it the best way to deal with uh, this whole issue of you know uh, time wasting and uh, you know the the many stoppages we get in games? Yeah, I think so. I think, it, you know, the, the, the lesser nations will obviously, you know, Serbia have done it to a certain degree already against Brazil, although they're not, they're not really, you know, doing it too badly. But you imagine as the game goes on. So the only way to discourage that sort of thing is to actually put the time on the clock that they're wasting. And what was it, 14 minutes in, in one of the first games I've seen? I think it was 24 minutes altogether in the first half, the second half yeah. added on. So, yeah, maybe we're getting that, that little 10% extra free, but some of the games you want to finish nice and early. You now some of them have just been dead rubbers. Yeah, and I think just looking at my screen there, now we might not all be at the same uh, clock there, but Brazil just had a brilliant chance, uh, just hit the post. I think, who is it? Alexandro, I think, hit it uh, Hit it there. Yeah, just on just on 59 minutes. So Brazil, what, what have you made of them, actually? We'll talk a bit about them later on, uh, Keith, but what have you made of that first, the first half performance and what you've seen so far of them in the second? At the minute, it's been really underwhelming. I mean, you look at the players that you have on the pitch and, you know, it speaks for themselves. And I'm only catching up with you now, Rafael Alexandro hit the post. But again, Serbia, from, from that, he, he shot from 35 yards out. He's hit the post. You know, you're happy with that, with the, with the amount of attack and talent Brazil have on the pitch. If they're going to shoot from 35 yards, you let them look at And a lot, a lot of the Brazilians I've seen uh, Cesar being interviewed before, they all seem to be pinning the hopes on Neymar. This is Neymar's World Cup. Neymar's going to bring it home. He's, he's going to become. He's going to go on to the same stature as Pele. I really don't see it. I don't. I think when the chips are down, I think Neymar goes either way. He can win you the game, but he can also lose you the game. So I'm not as a. I'm not as invested in the South Americans as, as everybody else is. I think Brazil on paper are still the ones to beat. Argentina obviously haven't been. Didn't start great right against the Saudis, but. Brazil for me a bit of a physical battle here against uh, against Serbia and they seem to be they seem to be shaking away from it so for all the attacking talent in the world yeah I'm just uh, there's still question marks over the Brazilians for me yeah and now in the earlier games uh, of course uh, Switzerland beat Cameroon one 0 with Brilimbolo um, scoring the winner we'll talk about that in a little bit and then Uruguay and South Korea were a stale was a stalemate and then Portugal Portugal and Ghana ended up being a thriller in the second half but uh, first half was scoreless Niall I mean you you rattled off a stat to me there before we hit record I think uh, there's been something like eight games where at half time it's been uh, it's been scoreless 
Yeah, eight, I think it's eight and a half time, and we're still in the very early days. And I think I think we've had four uh, full time nil nils, and we're on course for a fifth year. And the last World Cup, there was only one, Denmark and France. And, and I know that because I backed the goal in every game. And it was the one game that let me down. It was yep. one of them ones where, where the boat needed a draw to go through. So, But it's just it's uh, it's just been very, very cagey. As Keith said earlier, a lot of games there's been... Yeah, like, and ju- but, but just as you say that, Brazil have uh, taken the lead through Richarlison. Now, I know you, you might be go. behind me there, um, but uh, just on 60, 61 minutes, they've just, uh, they've just scored there. You might catch up with me just about there, there now. There we go. We're, we're sticking at four nil-nils for the time being then. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll try and fill the gap before I catch up here too. Um, no, it's just, you know, the, a, lot, a lot of teams are just sitting on the midfield quagmires. It's just sort of, it's killing a lot of contests. And you know, that Uruguay game in particular, is, I was really disappointed with, like, you know, when you put Nunes and Suarez on the pitch together, you're expecting fireworks, but we got a damn squib, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Keith, just on that game, um, you're probably seeing the goal now, uh, which was just uh, him just being in the right position, Richardson to, to to knock in the rebound. But the Uruguay South Korea game, um, it's been indicative of some some of the games in this World Cup where defenses have been on top and they've been real like they haven't been bad games, but they're just tactical KG battles. Uh, what was the issue for Uruguay? Do you feel that they couldn't get the better of South Korea in that game? Uh, I think legs, ref. I think they struggle up front with legs. I, I know they have Darwin Nunes up there, but I feel if you, if you can manage to keep him quiet, and that, listen, that's, an, that's a, a lot easier said than done, but if you can keep Darwin Nunes quiet, I think Suarez is a really fading talent. I don't think he's fit. I've seen him today, and he's, he's less than impressive. And I think he's 35. He got replaced by Cavani, who's 37. And like I said, uh, even Godin at the back, excellent, excellent player in his day. But, you know, it Pace for me kills kills defenders, and if you if you can get any of these into a race, any of these aging defenders and the strikers as well for me, it's very hard to get behind Uruguay in terms of doing something. But I think uh, I think they would have had a look at the the Argentina and and Saudi Arabia game and thought, right, just don't lose that first game. We can't lose the first game because I think it put the frighteners into the, the so called bigger teams and. I think a lot of us were thinking that uh, South Korea were just, as, lo- as long as they had Son, maybe they'd be okay without Son. They, they don't have anybody. I think they're a very decent team. With Son, they have that sprinkling of stardust, but they're a very, very rigid team, very stubborn, and they've got a bit of backbone about them. So there's a lot of teams that people won't fancy playing. It's Saudi Arabia, Japan, Switzerland, South Korea. There's a lot of bogey teams out there. Even Serbia aren't a nice team to play. So, yeah, I, I think they're... With Argentina losing, I think some of the big guns maybe, and obviously Germany lost to Japan as well. I think maybe a couple of them just said, "Okay, listen, if it's going to go to a draw, we just let it go to a draw, but we don't overextend and we, we don't get we don't get caught in the counter attack here." Yeah, and you mentioned Darwin Nunes, so he was starting off the left in a in a four three three. We usually see him down the middle for Liverpool, obviously since he's since he's come over and previously with Benfica. Uh, do, what does it take away from his game playing in that position, uh, at least in this Uruguay team? Because his it's his role, as you said, he's got to have the legs because Suarez can't provide it or Cavani really when he comes on. But uh, do, what does it take away from his game when he's kind of shunted out that way? Darwin Nunes for me he's a good hold-up player good focal point he can run in behind he can run the channels but if you get him in a 1v1 situation he's not one of them that's going to manipulate the ball left and right and then go and take you down the wing he's not a winger he's a, he's a centre forward for me and although he, he's big he's agile he'll get around the pitch you know for me if you're playing left back you just say come on I'll race you down the line all day long and you bring him down dead ends because playing with your back to goal uh, versus playing on the half turn 
although it doesn't sound like an awful lot, they're, they're very, very different talents. And I was a winger and then all of a sudden I, I play up front. It's, it's hard to play with your back to go. He's very, very good at that. Now you're asking him to play on the half turn and you're asking him to link in with, with, with the likes of Suarez and Cavani when he came on. So, yeah, for me, I would put him as the focal point. I don't think they want to do that. I think Suarez is a bit of a legend there. Obviously, Cavani's a bit of a legend there. So maybe they might be a bit reluctant to do that. But for me, I, I would put him up, up front as the focal point and I, I try and hit him, play second balls and get him down the channel. Because for me, like Cavani and Suarez would be great coming off the bench. But when you're relying on them, you know, I think I was just a little bit long in the tooth. And to be fair, I say that about Portugal when I look at Ronaldo as well. So if I'm going to say about Ronaldo, I, I've got to carry that into Gavani and Suarez, unfortunately, as well. So like I say, very hard to get behind them in terms of doing that. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Ronaldo, um, obviously Portugal beat Ghana 3-2. Now, there's a lot of controversy in this game, but Niall, I suppose... Uh, it feels unfair to most of uh, Ronaldo's teammates and also the entire Ghanaian team that the entire pre-match focus just seemed to be on him and primarily because of this Piers Morgan interview. Yeah, um, it was it, he dominated like, and you just had to look at every news site this week, and it was all about Ronaldo. Like you'd you'd swear there's no more. It's actually it was only when I was listening to the the pre-match uh, analysis on RT that I remember the likes of Jada being out and all that because all of had. <laughs> Ronaldo on Portugal. Um, I, I, I watched in the first 20 minutes and extraordinary to see someone like Ronaldo, but he looked like a man short in confidence. Um, the ball through the middle, you can put that off, it's a bad touch, that happens, but that header at the back post, I don't remember him ever missing a header like that in my life. Like he's, It was typical Ronaldo, but here, um, a controversial penalty and a very emphatic finish, but it, it was amazing just how much We've had about one player going into a game like that. And did he deliver? Well, he got the goal. He got the goal and set them on their way. Uh, he, was, he wasn't too happy when Bakari done the Sioux celebration by looks of the... You no, know, I, I enjoyed that. The, I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't enjoy that. The... And, and here, I enjoy someone doing that when they're 3-2 three, three, down in the 89th minute to still whip that one out. Fast <laughs> respect for that. But, yeah, and uh, in, in fairness, Ghana had a chance then towards the end. I think it was the thing Shea Given was uh, refer, referring to on the, uh, in, in the studio after the he was the only man, uh, the only man in Ireland who didn't know where Dublin was. Uh, you know that, uh, <laughs> you know that thing where he drops the ball down and then obviously uh, yeah. uh, it gets nicked off him. But Keith, just on uh, on Ronaldo's performance overall, what did you make of it? And we, we'll talk about the penalty later on because it was. Uh, there, there's adjectives like dubious maybe can be used or controversial or whatever, but his overall performance outside of that? Eh, I, I thought he was okay. I don't think he was great. Uh, didn't do a lot. Uh, like Noel said, had a header at the back post, maybe looked a little bit lack of confidence, but he hasn't played the you know the bulk of games that he would be used to, so maybe he will be. It will take him a little while just to get up and running, but he's hit the back of the net. I know it, wasn't a, it was only a penalty for me, it wasn't a penalty. They were very, very lucky. The word dubious, it, it was very, very soft for me. Really soft. You know, when Ronaldo goes into the box as a defender, I'm thinking, go and just go and just lay a glove on him. Don't foul him, but lay a glove on him. It is a contact sport at the end of the day. He leaves a bit of contact on him. Ronaldo dangles the leg out. He initiates the contact of the legs. And as a coming together, for me, it's not a foul. The, the defender will be absolutely raging. With it. Ronaldo's clever. But yeah, really, really disappointing. But... I think Ronaldo does what Ronaldo does. He just got the headlines, didn't play very well. But I find it very hard to get behind the Portuguese as well on paper. You know, excellent Ruben Diaz, Joe Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, 
uh, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, Joe Felix, some of the, the, the names just roll off the tongue, but they really struggled with, with for me. With the, I, I think they played a box midfield today, and I know Cancelo is an excellent fullback, but he can get caught up the pitch an awful lot. So if you can somehow wrestle possession off of, off of Portugal, or if you can sit deep and let them have it and get it and then go and hit them down the wings, I don't think they're the quickest to recover. So they are highly, highly re, uh, reliant on scoring goals to win them games. I don't think they'll win an awful lot of games 1 0 or 2 1. I think it will be 3 2 because, you know, they're attacking is where they're, where they're best. You know, like I said, Cancelo is a big, big part of what they do, but defensively, you know, he, he does get caught an awful lot. So for me, I think people, the bigger nations will be looking at Portugal thinking, lovely, we'll take them, we can take them. But yeah, Ronaldo, just doing what Ronaldo does. He'll, I, I honestly think he'll finish with probably six or seven goals in, in the World Cup. Do like, not make headlines in terms of his performances, but just get goals and he'll get a, a decent enough move somewhere at the end of it. Yeah, were you surprised at the, the penalty that it wasn't or didn't seem to be referred to VAR? Yeah, I was because it's a big, big decision. You know, they're uh, Ghana are shutting up, not shutting up shop. They they were doing okay in the game, but it's a, it's a pivotal, pivotal moment in the game. And for them not to be even uh, to be looked at is very, very disappointing. Because, like I said, it was soft. But you know, it, I don't know. It's it's some of the you know I I go back to the, the England's first game when Harry Maguire got wrestled to the ground against Iran and VAR didn't have a look at it. And then the very last kick of the game, Iran get a penalty for. A very, very soft uh, tussle out of corner kicking, you think, and there could be six or seven of these a game. So they seem to be very selective about what they're looking at. Yeah, but for me, yeah, I I find it very, very hard to to get behind Portugal for some reason. I, like The name's outstanding, but I think there's fractures in that team when the chips are down. Yeah, and if you were to take Ronaldo out of that team then, because it's a discussion I think that's been even had in Portugal, whether they're better without Ronaldo in it. I know you've uh, you've kind of covered the Nations League uh, a fair bit and probably seen a good few of their games. And I'm kind of thinking back to a game where Portugal trashed Croatia 4-1, so not the last Nations League campaign, but the one before that. Ronaldo didn't play. I think it was something to do. I think he was out actually with COVID at the time. They looked really, really good. They looked really, really fluid. The likes of... Uh, Felix and some of the other uh, talents that you've mentioned looked really, really good. So, do you think they 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 look better, they press better, and they uh, they interchange a little bit better because they don't feel this need to just keep going to Ronaldo the whole time? Yeah, I think that'd probably be fair, Raph. I done their uh, I done their last warm up game against Nigeria when they won four 0 and Ronaldo wasn't in the team. Apparently, he had a stomach bug, but they they were really, really good. Um, I mean, some of the like. Uh, Felix up front for me, he, he he's still waiting to go up there. People are, are expecting him to make that leap to become a world-class player. For me, he's still on the periphery of it. So to have the likes of a Ronaldo around for him is probably brilliant. And Fernando Santos seems to have Ronaldo one side. I know Ronaldo seems to be a bit a bit tetchy at the minute, but Fernando Santos and him have always had a good relationship. So yeah, for me, it, like if, if I was playing in that Portuguese team, if I analyse it, I think they're better without him. But if I was a winger in, in the Portuguese team, I'd want Ronaldo in the team because I know all they have to do is put a half-decent ball into the box, give him half-decent service, create a half-decent chance, and he will hit the back of the net. And for yeah. me, I would sacrifice my legs and let, let, I would do all the running in the world from if that can happen, but he still has to deliver. And Yeah, it's a long-winded answer, Raph, but they're a better team without him. But as a player, I'd want them in the team. And Niall, are you looking at your screen at the moment? Did you just see the goal Richarlison scored? No, I'm way <laughs> behind. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He kind of flicks it up and then a sort of bicycle kick. 
So it's just uh, 70, 73 minutes there. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it, Keith. There. I just coming into it now. Yeah, bang. Great what finish. A, yeah, what a finish. Yeah. And to be fair, I think what's he scored? Two goals for Everton this season. For 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 Spurs for Spurs. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had the injury, I think, for for a few weeks as well. Which uh, he, I think, he was worried initially would keep him out of the World Cup, but fortunately, came back in time. But uh, yeah, he, I think, he's made a fairly slow start, but he's got a lot of competition in that Spurs team. I was I was looking at uh, Jay Zeus, wondering like, why isn't Jay Zeus in that team? I know Jay Zeus doesn't score an awful lot of goals, but he's more great and what he gives you outside of that. I thought the Charleston. If you look at two of them in terms of their Premier League ability, you go for Jesus all day long. But Richarlison's a different man in that uh, in that Brazil short. His stats are excellent, and I'm I'm just seeing the replay of it again. The first touch, it's not great, but the way he just swivels on it after that is excellent. And coaches always say the goal don't move. You don't have to know where the goal is; it will never move. So, yeah, excellent finish. He picks out the corner when he's back to goal. Yeah, and in terms of cagey games, Niall, obviously the, the first game of the day at 10 a.m. to wake up to was the Switzerland-Cameroon game. I thought Cameroon were actually decent pretty much early on when, uh, you know, the first, they had good chances in the first half, just but just couldn't really finish. And there's uh, Chupa Moting, of course, as well, who uh, has been starring for Bayern Munich kind of unexpectedly in the wake of Robert Lewandowski and did did reasonably well. Yeah, can we, can we not just skip over that game, Raph? Um, I've never, never wished that a World Cup game was in the middle of the night and I never got for it in the late. 10 o'clock, it, was, it nearly put me back to sleep. It was just, just not good. It just was not good. You're right, though. You're right. Cameroon for 45 minutes were decent. And, uh, you know, Chupamotin coming in off the right there. He came across the, the end line a couple of times. He looked dangerous, but it just didn't seem that much around him like you know he's sort of he, he came into this World Cup and you know he's obviously on a rich vein of form there but they just seem very reliant on him and just not a not a good game Switzerland probably should have added one or two on after the, after they got the goal um, some really good defending I, I can't remember who made the, the last this tackle in the last minute but it was it was superb who got their body on the line like you know but uh, Mbolo obviously Cameroon born so that's probably the main storyline from that match. There wasn't much more to it. It was just one of those close to a stinker. Um, I, I thought it was going to finish nil nil after the way it was going, but uh, early yeah. second half goal said it like it just. I don't know. I'm being I'm being very negative about it here, lads. I know I am, but uh, to I, be I'm, fair though, I watched Morocco and Croatia the morning before that, and that was just as bad. That that yeah. really put me to sleep. That was lots of pain, Troy. So I could put up with the Switzerland and Cameroon game when the Morocco and Croatia was so bad. Yeah, but still, uh, to our viewers, uh, please do watch uh, the 10 a.m. game tomorrow between Wales and Iran uh, on RT2 and RT Flair. <laughs> it's, it's been, you know, there's been really good games. Like, I, I love the, the Saudi Arabia-Argentina match. It was just a joy to watch. I just thought that yes. was great. I thought the last-ditch defending all it was just brilliant. The Portugal match, obviously, was so... Uh, so entertaining earlier, we are robbed of a real World Cup moment with your with William slipping at the end after he, he dispossessed the keeper. But it's just been an up and down tournament. Even even the Wales uh, America USA second half the other day I thought was really good, but Wales in the first half were horrendous. Like so, it's it's just been one of them tournaments where we haven't got a run of great games. There's been a couple of nil nils just dotted in or one nil, so it's just sort of killed the momentum of this being a really really good tournament to date. 
Yeah, no, that first game, of course, is, as you said, Breland Bolo, um, Cameroon born, uh, scoring the winner for Switzerland. And they're obviously up to three points, as we as we see now, Brazil tune it up against Serbia. So they're going to be on three points as well. The Swiss uh, are taking the mantle now and they have a habit of in the last few major tournaments getting to the last 16 and in the Euros, the quarterfinals. So, Keith, how impressed were you with them and uh, how far do you see them going, presuming they do get to the knockout stage? I mean, are they capable of doing what they did in the Euros? They're very capable of it, Raf. Yeah, they're just, they're just one of them teams that you don't want to play against. And on paper, you, you feel you could take them. It's, you know, when you look at Akanji, I know he, he, he's a decent centre-half. Elverdi, not for me. The Rod- Rodriguez, the left-back, not really for me. And Granite Xhaka, Raf, we've spoke about him many times. I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan and I'm, I'm really turning into one of his biggest fans. Him and, him and Almiron at Newcastle are probably the most improved players in the Premier League this season. He's been outstanding and he keeps that Swiss team ticking over. He's just be, he's just became the captain, taking it away from Shakiri and Shakiri's still doing a job in there um, to to rob Brian Kerr's face, little battler. He's still running around, you know, moving the ball well. And Gibriel So is not a bad player. Ruben Vargas and and Ebola. We've seen quite a lot of him as well in his club football, and I really like him. And that that must have been Noel alluded to. It must have been really a, a weird game for him to play against Cameroon, the country he was born in. But he scored the goal, showed a bit of respect, didn't really celebrate. But it was really good movement because he just dragged the centre half in. The ball came and he was just waiting there. It looked like really bad defending, but he he runs the two centre halves away and then holds his ground. And all of a sudden, it looks so so easy. But it was all about the movement. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they could they could go. I think they could be one of the surprise packages. I like Switzerland. I like Denmark as a, as a dark horse, and not to win it, but just just to upset a couple of people along the way. I think uh, Switzerland are very very hard team to beat as long with the Danes. I think they're uh, really really stubborn. Yeah, a nice part of the world as well. If anybody ever gets the the chance to go there. Um in winter more so if you want to go skiing or anything but anyway uh, tomorrow as I said first game of the day um, on RT2 and the RT player is the 10am game between Wales and Iran so uh, Niall I think as you alluded to there the second half of that game between Wales and USA in the uh, in the first round of matches that was uh, you know the second half was brilliant and Wales really stepped up when they were definitely second best in that in the, in the first half against the Americans this is a huge opportunity for them, especially with what England have done to Iran. I mean, to get some points on the board. Yeah, and like it was shocking how bad they were in that first half. Absolutely shocking. USA brought a lot of energy, but they, they couldn't get out of the half. They couldn't. They just couldn't get out of the half. I was really, really surprised with how bad they were. So I am a bit distracted here because I see Neymar went down there, and I'm just seeing if he uh, if he actually got back up. I didn't actually notice if he got back up there. Um, but uh, back on Wales, yeah. Listen, they're, they 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 come out after the break, and they're they're so good. Obviously, they made the tactical switch. Uh, Dan James was sacrificed and went more direct. Uh, Gareth Bale, I see, he got one of the sponsors, man of the match. Uh, for me, no, uh, not I didn't think he had a particularly good game. I thought uh, USA had their homework done brilliantly. Any time he touched the ball, thirty-five yards out, did four men around him. But like Ronaldo who wasn't doing anything good, he came up with the big moment and won the, the penalty, you know, and, and stuck it away, obviously, as well. So, you know, Wales, like, when they have someone like Bale there that can produce those magic moments, even when he's not uh, playing particularly well, they'll always have a chance. And listen, watching the first round of matches, they'll not be particularly fearful of tomorrow. Um, 
I think the I, I would expect them to win it. Um, I think they didn't play anywhere near their capabilities the other night. Uh, still came away, as Keith talked about earlier, this for a lot of teams, it's about not losing this first game, just getting a point on board, not in defeat. So there was no harm done. They got their point to come back. They are much better in the second half. They seem far more suited to that style of play. And I, I would expect them to win. Yeah, and Brazil really turned on the style now as well. Hit the uh, hit the crossbar, and they're just playing. They're 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 starting. I think now with the two 0 lead, there's that confidence is flowing for them. So uh, we're starting to see the best of them. But uh, Keith, just in terms of Wales, I mean, the the change really in the second half was, of course, Kiefer Moore coming on as a target man and allowing the likes of Bale to sort of play off him. So with Iran, usually traditionally a defensive team, albeit if they have any ambitions of getting out of the group, they're they're going to need to to come forward tomorrow against the Welsh. Do you expect more to start because with a packed defence, best thing might be to just lob balls into the box? Yeah, I think so. I'm not so sure how uh, how Iran will approach it, to be honest with you. I was quite impressed with Iran. I know they got they got lifted out with 6-2 by England, but England are a very, very good team. They're one of the, the world heavyweights. So, look, Iran scored two goals against them. So that's what I, you know, I'm sure that's what's been said in their dressing. We managed to breach the English defence twice. If they can score two goals against Wales, I think they'll they'll, uh, they'll win the game, if I'm honest. Is it Tarimi up front, the, the centre-forward? Yeah, for them? From, from Porto, yeah. Yeah, he seems to be really, really good in front of all. He's only half a chance he's forced goal against England. Just hit it, really good finish. So, look, I, I don't think Iran are as bad as England made them look. I think Wales will have their, will have their hands full. I'd love to see them go, go and win it, get them up to four points. Will they start with Kiefer Moore? If Iran are going to sit into a low block, which you might assume they will, then yeah, I would play Kiefer more because if they're going to sit into a low block, there's not going to be no space behind them, then it's easy enough. You get the ball out to, to Williams and Roberts and you just put quality into the box and you tell Garrett Bale, you tell Kiefer Moore to go and win all their battles and you get little Harry Wilson in around for any second ball that's bouncing around in the box. And I just keep throwing it down Iran's throat. Just keep getting it, put it into the box. Garrett, put it into the box. Eventually, one of the centre-halves will come off them there will be chances in that game. And I wouldn't overcomplicate it if they're going to pack the middle of the pitch, be a low block, like I say, put it into the box and don't disappoint them. I, I, I'd love to see Wales and England getting out of the group. I, I'm, I'm not convinced it can happen, but if, if, if Wales can beat Iran, it's a huge, huge step towards it. But like I say, I don't think Iran are as bad as, uh, as England made them look. Yeah, and uh, I know you, you kind of uh, tipped England uh, before the before the World Cup, or at least I think the way you phrased it was you feared that they, they might go all go all the way, which is a fear many of us would have. <laughs> I think we'd have to admit. But uh, when they're playing, like you, we saw the USA. I mean, they started quite well against the Welsh, and then they sort of regressed in the in the second half. They tend to play a bit of a four three three, and maybe with the lack of a centre forward, do you think England are going to go back to just, are going to stick to the, the back four or will they um, will they go for back five, do you think? I, ho- I hope he sticks with the four, with the four three three. I thought it suited them really well in the first game. I know it was only Iran, but I, d- I don't think the USA are, are heavyweights. I know there, there's some decent players sprinkled in amongst our squad, but they're not heavyweights. There's a, there's a lot bigger test to come with the likes of France, Brazil, whoever whoever England might come across. I think when, when we see an awful lot of pace up front and teams that will dominate the ball, I don't expect America to dominate the ball against England. So when they come up against a team who, who will keep the ball and will hit them in wide areas, I think then we'll see a five at the back. And the one thing for me is it's quite an easy decision at the minute, Raph, because Kyle Walker is still injured. When Kyle Walker gets back to fitness, I think then Gareth Southgate will get him in because Kyle's pace really gets England out an awful lot of trouble, gets them out an awful lot of holes. So, yeah, look, uh, 
I'm I'm more impressed. You know, it's been everybody's played now that first game near enough. Brazil are just there uh, in the last six minutes or so. And the most, uh, I, I've been really impressed with Spain. I wrote them off because I thought they played Morata up front. I didn't think they had the goals in the team, but scoring seven goals in the first on the first day is that's all. That's shut a lot of uh, critics up in England. But England were probably the second most impressive behind them. So yeah, England's still going strong, and the fear is uh, the fear is still alive. <laughs> yeah, actually, just on Spain because you mentioned them there. Uh, what did you make of Gavi and Pedri? I mean, they're magical. They're unbelievable, aren't they? It's 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 how you when when you take a training session and you think I want that player to go and get it there to play from A to B and then get it again and go from C to D. He just does it and he makes it look effortless. He just he just appears into holes, but they just look like, like a, a young Sergio Baguettes, and I don't I don't mean that in terms of the passing range. I just mean in terms of their intelligence. They just know where to be, and you know I don't even think I've seen any of them sprinting. They just seem to be getting on the ball and just floating in and out. They're never in trouble and. It's, it's the one thing I always tell the under-17 kids to watch is to watch players that don't get tackled. The ones who don't get tackled are the ones who are really at the top of the game because you can't get near them. The likes of Pedri, and Pedri for me, is he's outstanding. You know, if, uh, if he wasn't at Barcelona, I think people would be, would be falling over themselves to try and get them out of the club. But I think he has that real alliance with Barcelona that you only get when you're at that club. So I don't think anybody will get him out of there, but... I think we have a star for the for the present and definitely the future. Yeah, well, I don't know what Barca's finances, Niall. Maybe they might be <laughs> they might be able to get him out of there. Yeah, and just you know, we talked about Paddy there. I'll talk about Gavi from the first minute. I thought he was just ridiculous. Just uh, the balls around the corner. You know, he, he reminded me a bit of Thiago at Liverpool at times. Uh, the way he finished that goal was first class. The way he came on, it was like scolesy. The way he came on, he just seems to have absolutely everything. I and mean, he's 18. It's ridiculous. It's not fair what's being having the centre of the park there and the, to have someone like that behind him, so experienced. Like, it's just a, the perfect breeding ground for an unbelievable team. And they're, they're probably lucky enough where they've, they've come into this tournament a wee bit under the radar. Uh, Keith touched on it there about their, their question marks over their attack and Per Gary Neville said that he, he didn't see many goals in this uh, Spain team and then the banged in seven. But, you know, they've, they've options on the bench there and they would obviously taken a lot from a very, a very limited opposition. I I don't even think Costa Rica might have had a shot. Uh, I was checking the stats after. I don't think they actually had a shot on or off target. So, listen, it has to be put in that sort of, you know, you have to understand what they're playing and, and how much of a gap there was. But... As you said, they're England and Spain. Round one, they're the two teams that have stood out and the two teams that have really laid down a marker. Yeah, and as an Arsenal fan, Keith, I mean, Bukayo Saka, um, you know, what did you make of his... Well, I suppose, what did you make of his performance and just what he can go on to achieve in this tournament? Yes, Saka was excellent. Uh, I just love his fearlessness. You know, I I love... You know, me, me being a winger, when I, when I came into the game, I, I started playing for uh, managers like Mark Hughes and Sam Allardyce, and I was always told as a winger, don't lose the ball, don't lose the ball, don't lose the ball. But as soon as he gets it, he seems to be encouraged. Yeah, go on, go and have a go with him, go and have another go with him. And he picks and chooses his moments well. That's what you get with maturity, that, no, I won't I won't lose it this time, I won't risk it, I'll just recycle it. And He, he was really, really excellent. I'm, I'm enjoying watching uh, Saka so much, but... I have to give uh, Jude Bellingham a show. He's been a, that first game. My God, I, I think he's 18, 19 as well. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I can only imagine that Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, everybody now is just forming a queue to go and get that boy because 
I, I use the word fearlessness, you know, to, he could go and get the ball in the edge of his own 18-yard box and the, the World Cup game, it, it just, he just doesn't have any fear and his athleticism, one minute he'll be in his own 18-yard box, two seconds he's in their 18-yard box and his quality on the ball is unbelievable. So, and yeah, for me, like I think he's probably one of the best young players in the world, if not the best young player in the world. And then you've got Phil Foden as well, backing that up. So, look, I, I do. I, I, and uh, sorry, Sackett as well. So, I think England are in a really good place. And if the defence can hold out, if, if Harry Maguire can come out of this World Cup, having if he somehow gets player of the tournament or something, I think England win the World Cup. And yeah. look, he, he, seems to, he seems to have the bit between his teeth. I know it was only Iran. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself like the rest of the English media, but I, I think Harry Maguire has the bit between his teeth and he, ha- he feels like he has something to prove. So if he goes out there and plays well and, and bolters that English defence and Kyle Walker coming back as well, I think uh, I think it's it's bowing well. Yeah, if we talk about fearlessness, uh, Niall, that doesn't really apply to Qatar and their opening game against uh, against uh, the against the Ecuadorians when they lost two 0 So I mean, this is a huge opportunity now for Senegal. Obviously, without Sadio Mane, um, as we know for the entire tournament, but uh, you know Senegal losing to the Dutch in their opening game, and given what they've seen of Ecuador, who are who are playing the Dutch tomorrow in the in the four o'clock game, this one o'clock game for Senegal is huge. Huge, huge, and all of a sudden it's a game that you you think they should be winning. Um, so often, like as as is tradition in this world, in the World Cup, like the host nations are always very, very competitive in the group stage. And obviously, um, I think it was was Qatar the first team that didn't host nation that didn't win the first game, or yeah, or the yeah. first team that like it's it's and they were so so poor. Like you know, bar that chance at the end of the first half, they are they are completely out of depth. Uh, thought Ecuador were really impressive at times too. Like to be fair, but uh, Senegal, as you see, without Sadio there, like it's it's a match to have to be targeting for three points. Like and it's it's just it's funny what one round of fixtures can do and perceptions and it just it's like a balloon deflating that uh, Qatar performance there. But here, listen, listen, it may, open night maybe open night nerves and. Um, Maybe we will see a better performance from them tomorrow. Um, you know, if if Mane was there, I think it'd be not a foregone conclusion, but you'd be very, very confident of Senegal winning it. Um, as always, take him out and, and the situation changes a bit. So, listen, it, it's an interesting one, but as you say, there one Senegal really have to be targeting. Yeah, and particularly goal difference looks like it's going to be huge in this group, Keith. I guess uh, obviously um, Senegal are minus two, Ecuador plus two at the moment. We'll see whether the Dutch will be obviously looking to to close this group up uh, completely. Albeit they still have Qatar at the very end, but for the Senegalese, I would imagine they're looking at least to sort of beat the spread and get like a you know tr- you know plus three, um, like whatever it is, try and win three nil, four nil, put real pressure on Ecuador before they play each other in the final round of matches. Yeah, I think that's it. I think everybody knew the gr- in this group, Qatar were going to be the whipping boys, so they need to get as many goals against them as they can. And look, oh, I'm under the impression that you know Senegal are, are nowhere near the team they they are without uh, without Mane. I think that's that's fair enough. That's the the little bit of stardust there. But there's some decent players in that Senegal team without them. You know, you look at Idrissa Gueye, uh, Koulibaly, Papasise, Ismail Assar. There's some decent decent players in there. So. You know, if they don't get out of the group, I don't think it's easy enough to say, ah, oh, it's because they don't have money. I think it would be a big, big failure if they don't get out of the group. Ecuador are a, are a very solid, very decent uh, South American team. So, look, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, you would you would have backed the Dutch. I think the Dutch will finish fourth. I think we all, we all backed that. But yeah, if Senegal 
they'll fancy their chances. Oh yeah, I I think they'll put probably four or five against uh, past Ecuador, and that'll probably be in around par for for a match against Qatar. Yeah, and what did you make of the Dutch in their in their first game then against Senegal? I mean, they they won two 0 It was two late goals. Cody Gakpo and then uh, Davy Klassen scored one in uh, the the many minutes of stoppage time that seemed to be given in this in this tournament. But uh, they that game was quite even until the final stages. Then when they scored, yeah, it was the the Dutch were they, they were quite pedestrian on what they were doing at times. You know, just keeping the ball, but keeping the ball safe and. I, I, I would I was going to throw that at Spain, but after they scored seven goals, you know that that was what I had uh, in my head about Spain. But they they uh, had a lot of productivity. They got the job done in the end. And look, it's very hard and very difficult. And maybe we shouldn't do it too much to read into the force games because there's an awful lot of nerves. People don't want to lose. And the longer the tournament goes on, I think people will get a little bit more comfortable. We start seeing better football. We see with the Brazilians now, for example, the game is looks like it's in the bag and they're starting to pass it around, but. To go back to the Dutch, to go look at Cody, Cody Gakpo, we've seen quite a lot of him as well, playing against Rangers. He, he impressed me, heavily linked with the Premier League. Stephen Bergwijn, done okay at Tottenham, but now he's back in the Dutch league and he seems to be a different player again. And when he plays for the Dutch, he's a different player. You know, you could say the same against uh, about Memphis Depoy. Different player when he plays for the Dutch. And with Virgil van Dijk, Matthias De Litt and Nathan Ake there, think you've got a really really strong base to, to go and win games and, you know the the front three probably aren't as strong as the Belgian front three but the, the three at the back are very very strong and the reason I can't get behind the Belgians is because the three at the back Young Vertong and uh, Oliveira the, the age is just it's it's too high for me but the Dutch have a really really nice balance and you know I, I wouldn't call them dark horses because I think that's a bit disrespectful they're a huge huge nation but yeah, they could be somebody who just flies under the radar and goes, you know, maybe semi-finals and upsets a couple of people. Yeah, what did you make of the Canadians? Actually, just you mentioned Belgium because they were. It was a. It was a game where, as you said, the, they've got an, a Belgium of an aging defense, but Canada made really made them show their age. Yeah, Canada. Uh, Canada were okay in the game, weren't they? Uh, you know, expect Belgium to go and really dominate the game and you know just just turn the screw, turn the screw, get goal after goal. But the Canadians, uh, they showed a bit of backbone. They were really good and. I was delighted to see a little junior highlight there because me and him, me and him grew up at Blackburn together when I think I, I was 15 when I went over and he was 13. He was out there moving over from Canada with his father and we we go to games together and everything. He was he was always, always going to be an outstanding footballer. From the age of 14, he was training with the under-18s. He, he was an outstanding player. And to see him at a World Cup now for Canada is excellent. It, it made uh, it was nice to see him do, do so well. And he had one or two chances and, yeah, like I say, although the Belgians went and won the game, they really just didn't fill you with confidence. And I think I, I'm of probably the same opinion as most people that the Belgians are just a little bit over the hill now and they're probably on the way down. Yeah, and you mentioned Hoylet there. I mean, uh, up until this World Cup, obviously it had been whatever it was since 1986 that uh, Canada hadn't qualified for a major tournament. And, you know, he's probably reaching kind of his veteran years now in the game. So it's kind of a testament to kind of just you know, because you could you could forgive somebody who's got into their thirties in a country like Canada where you're not going to qualify for things to just retire from international football. So it's a testament to him that he's kind of stuck around. It is, and that, that's what I'm saying, Raf. You know, for whatever about him uh, being a good footballer and you know warranting getting into the team, I, I seen him when, like I say, when he was 14, when he was on you know Sunday mornings running around Blackburn with me up and down hills, then getting picked for the you don't know 21s Canada team. He's flying back to Canada, coming back. 
And like you say, when, when they're not getting the reward of big tournaments, it'd be easy enough to just throw a hamstring injury there. I mean, back is sore. Or, you know, I'm a little bit tired. or I can't do the flight today. But he doesn't. He, he's there. And he, he was always that type of person. He was always really invested in Canada. You know, as soon as you, we were on buses going to watch the force team play and he'd be talking about Canada. You couldn't shut him up about it. And when you see him now playing for Canada, it was just nice. I seen him doing the, the national anthem the other day. Yeah, I was delighted. It brought a little smile to my face. It's just nice when you see somebody who puts the hard work in. And like I say, I'm not talking about the football hard work. I'm talking about the traveling hard yards. It's nice to see him get a little reward at the end. Yeah, so uh, the Brazil game has just finished there 2-0. Um, as much of what you did see um, in that sec- in the latter part of the second half, obviously the goals were brilliant from Richardson. Uh, does it change? Uh, well, I know I know you've kind of tipped England more and you weren't sure about the South Americans, but has it tipped the scales a little bit in terms of what you thought of, uh, what you think of Brazil? No, I, I still think they're a little bit top-heavy. I know... Uh, defensively on paper Thiago Silva is, is aging although I, I think he's an outstanding defender I just uh, I, 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 I love the Brazilians I really do but I just think there's too much pressure on, on Neymar's shoulders and if Neymar doesn't turn up you're going to look at Vinicius Junior it's not the, again Vinicius Junior outstanding football I love to watch him but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that them two go missing in the match and you just don't see them so for me you know their big players could go missing. And did you see the Did you see the Brazilian bench? By the way, I just saw there. Is it you mean the Richarlison and Danny Alves thing where they were just messing around? No, so I mean their actual bench. Oh, it's their actual ridiculous. bench. <laughs> oh my, Fred Militao, Fabinho, Teles, Bruno Gomares, Gabriel Jesus, Anthony Ederson, Gabriel Martinelli, and Rodrigo. That team is going. That finish. That team's going to finish in the top six in the Premier League. And they can't even. They can't even get into the Brazilian team. So. Look, they have they have all the talent and all all the all the will in the world from from the Brazilian fans, but I just think the pressure will tell. I just I for some reason I, I just think that a favourite's going into it, and the the pressure will come. Yeah, they they flattered to deceive in the last few World Cups. Once they play one of the top European teams in a quarter final or semi final, it's gone wrong. But um, and, uh, sorry, Raf, I think that yeah. that's a very good point about Argentina. I think went thirty six games unbeaten before yeah. they got beat by Saudi Arabia, but. All the all the best European teams are playing each other in the Nations League. Yeah. So I think them records are a bit false. You know what I mean? So again, it, it can be it can lead you down a path of the South Americans when you look at the the recent records. But for me, quite false them records. Yeah, and I suppose before we go, Niall, um, I did a. I think I was telling you before we hit record. I was doing a preview of the. You know, I picked out four dark horses, and uh, Senegal lost their opening game. That didn't go well. Um, uh, who else was there? There was Denmark, who were held by Tunisia. That didn't go well at all. Uruguay got held by South Korea. Didn't go well at all. Serbia have lost now, so I've I've made a bad start on that front. But um, is, is there any crumbs of comfort from what you saw of Serbia there? Could you not have picked England for your dark horse then? Well, just as uh, just as Keith said about the Dutch, it would be. Di- I think it would be even for, even for me towards England. That would be di- that would be disrespectful. I, even and I wouldn't listen, go that far. Listen for forty five minutes. They're uh, they they've done exactly what their game plan would have been. They're frustrated. They got bodies around Neymar. Um, as the goal there, they just uh, he was in the right place at the right time, and it had to feel a half time there. And I know we came on here at half time, so we didn't get to see it set half closely, but it definitely had a feel of. Them frustrating Brazil, and you could have seen that match finishing nil nil, you know. And you could just you would have put it down and said a classic uh, Serbian performance or the frustrated Brazil. It's one of those things, and it, it is Brazil. Once they scored the first goal, 
you know, their second, third, fourth goal can come freely. Like, you know, and they played some beautiful football there in that last half hour. Uh, it's just when they come up against top class, it's getting that first goal. And if you can frustrate them, like, you know, and you talk about Neymar there and, and Didi Haman had some uh, stern words from him at halftime, you know, about him. And it's just, you know, we, we can't judge him now against Serbia. Like, if we assume they're going to go deep in the tournament. It's when they come up against a, an England or a Holland or a Spain. It's what he does in those matches. Is he these, this top player that can drag a team over the lane? He hasn't done it in the Champions League with Paris Saint-Germain yet. Obviously, it's not all about him there, but is he going to do it this Brazil team? That's that's where his true greatness will be judged. Uh, can he drag this Brazil team to a World Cup? Because this is, looking at the fact that so many of the stars in the tournament, Messi, Bale, Ronaldo, they're all so far on in their, you know, well in their 30s. This should be the tournament where him and Mbappe take a bit of scruff of the neck. So time will tell, time will tell. Um, still a lot of... A lot of doubts over whether he can do it when the heat's on, Raph. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how he gets on anyway. So they're going to be back in action uh, on Monday uh, uh, with the, when Group G and Group H resume with their second round of matches. But tomorrow, anyway, as I said, Wales against Iran, 10 a.m., Qatar against Senegal at 1 p.m., and then the Dutch against Ecuador at 4, and England against the USA at 7. All on RT2 and the RT player, Niall McCoy, thanks for coming on. And Keith Tracy, thanks for uh, taking the time. Any time for you, Raf. Oh, baby.